Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. I'm not even going to review the last two weeks. I just want to dive right into this, okay? And and here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to go ahead and turn maybe to Joel chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 5. I will get to those. I will go with Ephesians chapter 5 first and then towards the end of this message. Our main text is Joel chapter 2, and I want you to to be prepared for that uh, so that we don't waste time. And how ironic that uh, I get to tell you that. And today is about some of that wasted time in our lives. Have you ever noticed the adversarial relationship that we have with time? We do. We have an adversarial relationship with time. As children, we don't like to wait. As children, we are impatient. It seems as though time cannot move fast enough. I mean, children want it and they want it now, right? And so there's this adversarial relationship with time that children have. And then as teenagers, we want to experience life as adults. And so we want to grow up too soon. We try and grow up too soon and and we want to move out. We want to live on our own. We want to call our own shots. At least we think we do. And so we have this adversarial relationship with time. And as young adults, we start longing for a family. You know, we, we want to get married. We become anxious for time to move along because we want to have children. We want to buy a house. If you only know what you're getting into, but, but, but listen, we have this adversarial relationship with time as, as young adults, but somewhere along the way, the perspective changes and and I can't exactly pinpoint it. I don't know exactly when it happens, but it happens. Trust me. Suddenly you start longing for time to slow down. You reach that place in life where you just long for time just to pause, slow down. Maybe it's because your biological clock is ticking and, and you're still not married and you're thinking, I'm running out of time. And, and so you want time to slow down. You want time to stop. Or, or maybe you're still wanting children and, and you're, you're, you feel like time is, is running out. So you need time to, to slow down. Or, or maybe it's because your kids are growing up too fast. And I don't want to make any of the moms in the room cry right now. But if you feel like your kids are growing up too fast, you want to to freeze time. You want it to stop. Or, or maybe it's because your body is aging. This is me right now. I'm preaching to me. And you wonder what happened to all of those years. I remember when I could stay on the basketball court all night long. I would be the last one to leave the gym. Now they can't even get me to go in the gym. You know, I, I, you want time to stop. What happened? And we have this adversarial relationship with time, human beings and time. We don't get along. So much so that we created a way to keep track of it so that it doesn't get away from us because we want to watch it. And so we have watches. You never even understood why it's called a watch, right? You're watching time. You're keeping track of time. If you have a watch on right now, let me see it. Let me see your watch. Yeah. We created calendars so that we can keep track of the days. We, we created birthday parties to celebrate each year that we grow older. And, and when we're young, we can't wait for that birthday party. We're anxious for that. But when, when we get older, we're less excited about birthday parties. We want them to slow down. We don't even care about having them anymore. Celebrated my wife's birthday last night. She's 45. And, and I... <laughs> we have this adversarial relationship with time. Recently, I was scrolling through social media and someone posted an article 
one of my favorite TV shows, The Office. And uh, I've, I've seen every episode of The Office probably numerous times. And being a fan of the show, I decided I was going to stop and read the article about The Office and because they were claiming in the headline of this article that there were hidden moments in the show that prove that, that Jim was unfaithful to Pam. And I thought, no, this is not possible. And so I started reading the article, and it took a few minutes, and I read the article, but I'm telling you, it was a stretch. It didn't prove anything at all. It was wasted time, time that I'll never get back. I was actually angry when I finished reading the article. You ever wasted time on something like that? And I have figured out that we make time for the things that we really care about. We do. We make time for the things that we really care about. So if you make time for work, but you don't make time for your family, then I'm telling you right now, you care more about your work than your family. That's tough. But some of you need to hear that. If you make more time for work than you do for family, then you care more about work than you do your family. How do you spell, spell love to a child? T-I-M-E. That's how you spell love to a child. It's time. If it matters to you, you will make time for it. And I've said it before, and I'll continue to say it. If you're too busy to serve in God's kingdom and serve his people, as the Bible instructs us to do, then you're simply too busy. And you probably need to cut some other things out of your life if that is interfering with you serving in the kingdom of God. Because some of us, we can't make time for God to use us because we've used up all of God's time. Got quiet. Don't forget he laid claim to the Sabbath. This is his day. This is God's day, the Lord's day. And the truth is, you can't make time. We use that term. I'll make time for that. I'll make time for you. But you can't make time. All the time that you will ever possess has already been established for your life. You do not have the ability to create more time. It's just how you spend that time. Psalm 90 and 12 says, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Psalm 39 and 4 says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. We've all been given an amount of time, some of us less, some of us more. And I don't, I don't understand all that. I don't get why some lives are cut shorter than others. Here's what I know. We've all been given a certain amount of time, and you cannot change that. And what you do with that time is what matters. So Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16 I want to read these verses to you. Listen to what Paul is saying. He says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Understand what Paul is telling us here. He says, when we are wise, we make the best use of our time. When we are wise, we make the best use of our time. Verse 16 in the English Standard Version says, making the best use of the time. The New Living Translation says, make the most of every opportunity. The Good News Translation says, make good use of every opportunity you have. The Contemporary English Version says, make every minute count. Now, that's all great advice. It is. That is wonderful advice. But, but listen to me. It doesn't quite capture the essence of what Paul is trying to say. The King James Version, 
the American Standard Bible and the Dewey Rames Bible, as well as some others, they translate it like this, which is a more accurate translation. It says, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Now, that sounds sophisticated, doesn't it? Whoever wrote that, redeeming the time, they're smarter than I is. They are. They are smarter than I am. What does that even mean, redeeming the time? What does it mean to redeem the time? To some of us in the room, the term redeeming the time, it can mean this, driving 80 miles per hour to 60 miles per hour zone. Because you'll get there 20 miles per hour faster, right? Let's do the math. Or maybe it's skipping breakfast because you're in a hurry or skipping lunch because you simply don't have time. You've got too many projects going on. Or, or, or maybe it's having cosmetic surgery to remove aging, redeeming the time, or maybe coloring your hair, women, to reclaim that youthful look. I'm not preaching against it. I'm just saying that's redeeming the time for some of you. Or how about this? Sleeping 15 hours straight to recover from a week of limited sleep. So for some of you, that's what you would qualify as redeeming the time. Mandy and I, we purchased a sleep number bed. I know, we're getting old. I know. But with my back problems and everything, we decided we would go ahead and break down and buy a sleep number bed. And, and it has this special technology called Sleep IQ. Anybody in the room have a sleep number bed? Anybody? All four of us are old enough to have one. Okay. So it has this sleep IQ technology and, and through an app on our phones, this is totally amazing. Don't even know how it all works. Don't even care to know how it all works. It makes my brain hurt. Okay. But through this app on our phone, when we get up in the mornings, it will calculate and tell us what our heart rate was throughout the night. It will tell us how many breaths we took per minute throughout the night. It, it, it will tell you how many hours we spent in restful sleep versus restless sleep. It will even tell you how short you came up of meeting your desired goal of sleep. So we've, we've programmed this thing to where we've told it that we want seven and a half hours of sleep each night. It's wishful thinking, I know, but that's what we want. We want our desires to have seven and a half hours of, of sleep. On average, since we bought this bed, I am sleeping 52 minutes less of my desired goal of seven and a half hours of sleep each night. I am 52 minutes less than what my desired goal is. And so one of the things that the sleep IQ has, has done with us is it's prompted us to try and get more sleep, you know, to, to redeem the time, to make sure that we're spending that time wisely. You know, some people, they don't even see sleep or rest as redeeming quality, as a redeeming quality at all. And you've got to understand that, that the downtime is what will create a, a more functional and, and even a more productive uptime. You've got to understand that God programmed us this way. But for some of you, even as I sit here today and you're listening to me preach, you're struggling with the thought that your most precious commodity is slipping away because your most precious commodity, at least in our finite minds, is time. 
And as you sit here and you listen to me, that time is slipping away. And the most valuable asset is shared equally, both by the rich and the poor, the young and the old, from all walks of life. There is no one that, that, that can, can create any more time in their life. The one thing that we all have in common is that we are limited on time. And once it's lost, time seems impossible to get back. Money can be replenished. Cars can be replaced. Relationships can even be restored. But the one thing that cannot be replenished, replaced, or restored is time. Once it's lost, it's lost. Once it's gone, it's gone. At least in the natural, it's gone. But you must understand that our God is supernatural. And our God exists outside of time. And we can't fathom that. We don't understand that our God, the one that created us, that he exists out of time. He's not held captive to that. Psalm 90 and 4 says, For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. He says in 2 Peter 3 and 8, he says, But, not, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Psalm 90 and 2 says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And then Isaiah 57 and 15 says that God inhabits eternity. We don't even get that. We can't even begin to comprehend that God inhabits eternity where there is no beginning and there is no end. That is what God is about. And our Heavenly Father exists outside of the confines of time. Therefore, God is not bound by time. He does not fret over time. He does not stay up late worrying about time. Time is of no concern to our God. And that can either be crippling to you or it can be liberating to you. You can look at that as, well, if time is of no concern to God, then certainly he's not concerned about my limited time. Or maybe you look at it as, if time is of no concern to God, then what do I have to worry about? And it liberates you. Somewhere between 900 and 600 B.C., God used the prophet Joel to warn the people of Israel of the coming judgment that was coming upon them. He warns them that locusts are coming. Locusts are coming to devour their crops, and like an army, the, the swarm of locusts marched through their fields, devouring their crops, even multiplying as, as, as they were going through the crops. Israel suffered lost crops for four consecutive years. Can you imagine? For four consecutive years, the locusts ate their crops. Their harvest was completely wiped out. Their barns were empty. Their livestock was starving. They were starving. These were desolate times. These were, these were tough times. And, and we don't know exactly what they did wrong to deserve such punishment, but we do know what they had to do to correct it. And, and here's what I say to us. We can learn a lot from what they did to correct it. And here's what God called them to do. He said, I want you to gather together in my house to fast and pray on the Lord's day. 
to fix this thing that's gone wrong. Four consecutive years of locusts devouring your crops. To fix this, I want you to come together in my house. I want you to fast and pray on my day. You're in the right place. Because we're here together right now in God's house. And I believe that some of you, that something's starting to stir up inside of you. And God is getting ready to perform a miracle in your life to redeem the time that you thought was lost. And so in doing this and following God's command and gathering together in his house on his day to fast and pray, God had a blessing in store for them. And here's what it looked like. Joel chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied. And I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. I will remove the northerner far from you. That does not mean he's sending the Yankees back north, okay? <laughs> I will remove the northerner far from you and drive him into a parched and desolate land, his vanguard into the eastern sea and his rear guard into the western sea. The stench and foul smell of him will rise, for he has done great things. Fear not, O Lord, or fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. The tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and vine give their full yield. Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain as before. The threshing floors shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. I want you to focus there on verse 25 because I believe this is what God is speaking to some of you right now. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. He says, I will give back. God says, I will repay. I will redeem those lost years. That word redeem means to buy up, to ransom, to rescue that which was lost. How many of you today would love for God to redeem some of those lost years that you have in your life? Amen? It's kind of like that old 65 Mustang, all rusted out, sitting behind some old farmer's barn. It absolutely is worthless. Nobody wants that old Mustang. It, 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 it's of no value to anyone until the right person comes along. I used to have a 68 Mustang. It was about 95% restored. This thing looked great. Imagine now the right person comes along. He sees that 65 rusted out Mustang behind that barn. He buys it. He, he does everything that he possibly can to restore this Mustang back to its former luster. He redeems that which was lost. That car has been redeemed. It's like the years were never even lost. It looks great. It's worth more now than when it was when it was first purchased. Brand new. Church, when we learn to Shabbat, 
to rest in God and trust His provision. I told you last week, it's not about legalism. It's not about what day you do this on. It's about a mindset of learning to trust God, to rest in Him and say, I put my faith in you and nothing else. I put my faith in you and not the circumstances. Lord, I trust you. I Shabbat. I rest in you, God. And, and when we learn to Shabbat, when we, when we do that, we allow God to redeem those lost years. Maybe... You've been working hard for years, and you have nothing to show for it. Maybe you've put everything, time, energy, tears, all the money into that business, and it just will not get up off the ground. You have nothing to show for it. Lost years. Maybe you neglected your marriage for years, and it seems hopeless right now. Maybe you missed out watching your kids grow up or you're missing out on watching your kids grow up and there's just lost years there that you will never get back. Maybe you did not make God and his kingdom and his people a priority in your life and so you've got these wasted years devoured by the locusts of life. Let me show you how this works. I've been a born-again believer. I mean, when I really got it since I was 15 years old. At 15 years old, I gave my heart to Christ. I made Jesus the Lord of my life. I've been serving him ever since. I didn't say I'm perfect. I'm just saying he has been the Lord of my life and I have, I have learned along the way to trust him with every aspect of my life since I was 15 years old. So for the past 28 years, I've been living life with Jesus as the Lord of my life. But it's extremely possible that there's someone here right now in this room that you've never made that commitment to allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And if you pray that prayer today and you accept Jesus as the Lord of your life, God redeems all of the lost years. You are as much saved as I am. Amen. Do you understand how he redeems? We have lost years behind us. We have things that don't make sense in our minds. We have mistakes where the enemy, the locust, has devoured our promises. And, and we walk into rooms like this today carrying all of that with us when what we need to learn is a mindset of Shabbat and saying, God, right now I have no other choice but to trust you. Right now, God, I have no other choice but to lean on you and not my own understanding. And when you do that, God's promise is, I will redeem the years that the locusts have stolen from you. Amen. When I first met the Busker family, my first relationship in that family was not my wife, don't worry, I didn't date like her cousin or anything. <laughs> My first relationship in that family was her 12-year-old little brother. I was an older teenager, very active in our youth ministry at our church. And in this kid, I saw something that I knew God was going to use. I knew it. 
I knew that as I got older and graduated out of this youth ministry that he would be the one that would take on the responsibilities that I had. And I had a lot of responsibilities in this youth ministry and I knew God was going to use him. We've often joked that the only reason I became his friend and, and began to mentor with him is because I wanted to date his sister. And part of that may be true. <laughs> and I'm not going to get into all the details of it. It's not worth it. But we allowed a church split to put a division between us. And for years, we didn't talk and communicate. Right or wrong, whoever is right or wrong, I can tell you that I'm embarrassed to tell you that I didn't even go to his wedding because of the church that it was held in. I didn't attend his son's child dedication because of the church it was held in. Lost years that you feel like you'll never get back. A few years ago, the lines of communication started opening, but there were just certain subjects that we just didn't talk about. But over this past year, and specifically over the last seven months, I've watched God redeem that which was lost. My brother-in-law is now a member of our church. He and his family are here every week serving God. It's something that I never thought would happen, not with our history, not with our past, not with how the locusts devoured those years. It's like our relationship is better than it's ever been. And he's not just a 12-year-old little kid anymore that I'm trying to teach how to do ministry. Now he's seasoned. He can probably teach me a thing or two about ministry. Dustin, I love you, man. I don't care how long it's been. God can redeem that which was lost. That marriage, those grown children that despise you because you didn't have enough time for them. The years you spent grinding away, trying to make something of yourself or your business. God wants you to understand today that he and only he can redeem that which was lost. That only God can restore those years. How many times have we heard the story 
father and son separated. But on his deathbed, they find forgiveness. God redeems that which is lost. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.